0: The following audio is from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. More information about Acts is available at actschurchleander.com. Well, we are uh, continuing in our series, The Story, and, and this series, we're, we're going through the, the whole Bible over the course of this year, and so we're, we're still in the Old Testament. We started in, in January, and we're still just plugging along. Uh, which, is, which is good. And, uh, and if, if you've been with us or if you haven't here, just let me give you an update on where we're at. Basically, we've seen that the, the first part of the Old Testament, God spends, he creates the world, it falls apart, and he says, all right, I'm going to redeem people, I'm going to redeem my whole good creation. And the first step to do that is he forms a nation of people called Israel through which when the world looks at them, they're going to see the true God. When the world looks at the nation of Israel, they're going to see who the true God is, who created them, who knows how this world operates. And so God delivers the nation of Israel from slavery, he gives them his law he gives them a good land and he actually raises up really good leaders for them right off the bat but then what we've noticed the last couple weeks as we've gone through the story is that Israel has essentially rejected everything that God has given them and so they're in a real low place they've split into two there's the northern part of Israel which is called Israel the southern part called Judah and they've had a string of bad bad kings And so where we're at today, they're at an all-time low. At this stage in the game for for Israel, the northern part of the kingdom has been conquered by the Assyrians for quite a while now. Uh, The southern part of the kingdom, Judah, where the capital city Jerusalem is, is about to be laid waste by the empire of Babylon, right? And so Babylon is is on their doorstep, going to crush them. And on top of that, they've had the worst kings they've ever, ever had. Like, these are dudes that are not just like, hey, we know who the true God is, but we want to worship this golden calf instead. These are guys who are like, we know who the true God is, we don't care, we're going to set this altar up to this golden calf inside of the temple, and I'm going to sacrifice my kid to it. Right? Like, it's dark stuff. Like, bad guys. So they're in a real low place, and so God finally says, listen, you guys, it's gone on long enough. I'm going to let Babylon lay siege to Jerusalem. And so he does, and so the empire of Babylon conquers over Israel the kingdom has fallen and it's a dark time but it's in the midst of this dark time that God sends a prophet he sends this prophet Ezekiel who's, who's living in exile in Babylon at this time but he sends Ezekiel to, uh, to speak a word of hope to the people of Israel and a lot of the book of Ezekiel is doom and gloom but in this text that we read this morning he, he speaks this word of hope to people now, I don't know if you know this, but there's a lot of weird stories in the Bible, right? Can we get amen, right? There are. Let's just say it. We can say it. It's all right, right? I don't know if you caught this text. It is by far one of the weirdest in the Bible, right? Right? I mean, I don't know if you've so we got Ezekiel, he goes to this valley of dry bones, and, and God says, hey, can I make those live? And Ezekiel says, I don't know. And he says, well, let's, let's speak over them, see what happens. And so God raises these bones to life. There's skin and flesh put on these people, like, it's the wildest thing you've ever heard of. Now, if you're like me, you read this story, you hear it, there is one word that comes to mind. Dead guys coming back to life. Well, th- that's three words, Ryan. Um, <laughs> four. Zombies, right? zombies. Right? And so as bizarre as this story is, I think it's actually fitting for our culture today. Because if there's one thing our culture loves, like right now, it's zombies. Right? Video games, Plants vs. Zombies, Resident Evil, Call of Duty, books, Zombie Survival Guide, Pride and Prejudice, and zombies. It's out there. Check it out. Um, Shows like The Walking Dead and whatever the new one they made is. uh, Films, Paranorman, Warm Bodies, Zombieland, World War Z. There's over 30 zombie movies made in the last two years. Over 30 made in the last two years. All right, so forgive the pun, but our culture eats zombies up. Now, why is that? Why is that? Well, uh, I have a, a good friend who's, who's also a pastor and, and much, much smarter than I am, and, and he went to uh, present a paper at a humanities conference, an academic conference, and he went to present a paper on uh, early Christian funerary art, okay? So glad he's studying that. Um, and it's, so, so, you know, so it's funeral art in the early Christian church. He went to present a paper at the humanities conference. So he, he, he walks in to, to give his paper, and, uh, and he gets put on a panel uh, with three other academics, they were all PhD students in the in the field of zombie studies. I didn't know that existed, but apparently it does, right? So, so they're called zombiologists. Uh, so that's that's like what, so, so here he is. So he goes in. He's this pastor talking about Christian funerary art, and 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 he goes in with these PhD students. PhD students talking about zombies. So weird, he said. So they talked about the undead. I talked about the dead, and uh, and I won't. And, and so anyway, so after he has this experience, he, he wrote a paper about what happened. He wrote a paper about what went on, uh, because what happened was he presented his paper and, and he said, Hey, all right, so this is Christian funeral art. And then some graduate student raised her hand and said, Hey, um, so does the the Christian faith have anything to say about zombies? And he was like, so he wrote a paper about this. Let me tell you what he said. Uh, This is what his paper said. Uh, At first, I was tempted to say that Christianity has as much to say about zombies as it does about snipe hunts, unicorns, and leprechauns. I resisted. As I thought about the question, it became apparent that one thing does unite the zombieologists and me. We both love a good mystery. For zombieologists, love of mystery drives them to speculate tirelessly about an impending zombie apocalypse. For me and others in the Christian tribe, our love of mystery allows us to hold a cornucopia of seemingly paradoxical beliefs. All right, so my friend's answer here is that both the zombie genre and the Christian faith have this love of mystery, but he goes on to point out, he says, our culture at large has this obsession with zombies, and it boils down to not just simply mystery, but mystery that's actually asking a very deep question. And this is what he says the question is. He says this, mystery... For the zombieologists on my panel and our culture in general, is an invitation to probe deeper into ontological questions of being. All right, so for those of you who don't use ontological every single day, um, the small fraction of you, I'm sure that is, uh, it just means what makes something something? What makes it it? What's, what's, What's the source of something? And so he says, our obsession with zombies has its roots in our obsession with this question. What does it really mean to be human? says the the question really comes down to what makes a person a person what does it mean to be fully human and in a similar way this is very much what God asks Ezekiel in our text I don't know if you caught this God takes Ezekiel to this valley of dry bones filled with human skeletons and in verse three of our text if you have it up he says this and he said to me son of man can these bones live And I answered, O Lord God, you know. All right, so God says, Ezekiel, these these are just bones, right? Bones of guys who've been dead for a long time. Been dead for a long time. They aren't human, they're just the remains of humans. But could they live again? Could they become fully human? Could they rise to new life? And Ezekiel quite intelligently says, God, only you know the answer. Why do you ask me? Only you know the answer to that question. And so God says, all right, let's see. And he says, Ezekiel, prophesy over these bones. Speak over them and and, and see if the power of my word has the power to raise the dead to life. See if what I say can turn dry bones into full humans. Can I actually bring life from death? And see, that, that question, can God bring life from death, is a key question throughout Scripture. It's a theme throughout the narrative of the Bible, and I think it's a question that a lot of you ask God a lot. You may not phrase it that way, but it's essentially what you're asking him. We look at the valleys of of dry bones in our lives, and we say, God, can you bring life from this death? Right? And so for some of you, you may say, like, "My, my own personal spiritual life. You may say, hey, yeah, I guess I believe all this stuff, and here I am sitting in church, but, like, but I just, like, I don't, I don't feel it. I don't really sense God's presence. It just doesn't seem that real to me anymore. It just seems kind of far off. Could God breathe new life into my spiritual walk? Could God breathe new life into my spiritual life with him? Can he bring that back from the dead? Or some of you may say, Hey, man, I got relationships that are just a mess. Like, my marriage is just stretched thin at this moment. My kids seem to be walking away from me. Or I, I got friends that are stabbing me in the back. I got coworkers I'm not getting along with. My boss is a jerk. Can God breathe new life into these dead relationships? God, can you do something to fix this stuff? Or maybe you look at someone in your life and you say, God, <laughs> that person is like so far from God right now. They could care less about him. They care less about anything. Is there any hope of them coming to know Jesus? Is there any hope of them really caring at all about this this God who cares for them? Can God bring the spiritually indifferent to new life in him? And our text today in Ezekiel 37 answers all three of those questions with a definite yes. Yes, he can. But how? How does that happen? Well, let's look into it. Uh, First of all, so can God bring your, your spiritual life Back from the dead. Look with me at verses 4 and 5. God's speaking to Ezekiel and he says this. Then he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. And so God tells Ezekiel to to prophesy over these bones. Another word for for prophesy is is to preach, to speak the word of God. And the first thing Ezekiel tells the bones is he says, hear the word of God. Dead bones, dry bones, no source of life in you, hear the word of God. And see, the same is true for you. In times of spiritual dryness, you need to hear the word of the Lord. And what's crazy is that's the absolute last thing you want to do in times of spiritual dryness, right? You don't want to do that. But that's what we need to do. We need to hear the word of the Lord, whatever we can to hear God's word, however you can, reading your Bible, praying, going to worship, listening to podcasts, talking with friends about it. And one of the things that that I think every Christian should be able to do is is preach to yourself. Is to tell yourself the truths about God in the midst of times of spiritual dryness. It's to be able to say to yourself, listen, God, you, you feel far off right now, but I know you promised that you'll never leave me or forsake me. It's got to be true for me right now. Or maybe you're just honest with yourself and you say, God, I just, I just, you're not a priority for me right now. I, don't, I just don't really care about you, but, but I know that you're the source of breath and you're my source of life and I need to depend on you. So God, would you just speak to me, remind me of your presence or I may feel spiritually indifferent right now, but I know that true life is really found in you, Lord. So, Lord, would you, would you help me remember what it's like to live in your grace, to walk in step with you? See, in times of spiritual dryness, you need to hear the word of the Lord. And some of you may say, all right, well, pastor, I may work for you, right? You're pastor. You don't know what it's like to go through times of spiritual dryness. Oh, Really? Um, so, so as I was prepping this message, I, uh, I got very excited because about two years ago, uh, my, uh, for my personal devotions, I I read through the book of Ezekiel, um, because I'm a glutton for punishment. And, and so I, uh, I I read through it and, um, it's just a weird book. That's, I I love God's word. Just Ezekiel's weird. So anyway, so, so I read through it and, um, and and I looked up my journal entry for this chapter, um, chapter 37 of Ezekiel, verses one through 14. And, and I said, I wonder what I wrote at this time. So this is just an excerpt from my journal entry. Um, January 2nd, 2013. And I normally write my entries as, as prayers to God. And I wrote this. God, wow, thank you for this piece of scripture. Your word is powerful. May you empower me to speak your word to those whose bones have dried up. May you show me the valley that needs new life and may your spirit breathe new life into it. That's pretty nice, right? I just outward focus. I'm like, God, would you use me to, to preach your word to people, to, to preach new life to people? It's pretty nice. Little did I know that a month later, I would be the one in the Valley of Dry Bones. Little did I know that I would be the one that needed new life spoken into me, that needed God's Spirit to enter into me. Because a month after writing that, almost to the date, uh, I had my first panic attack, I started suffering from insomnia, and I sank into a really deep depression. And God had never seemed further from me in my entire life. And I've talked about this before. Bears repeating. Never seen further from me in my whole life. And so here's an excerpt from that journal during that time. I was still reading through Ezekiel because it's very long. And uh, this is one month later, almost to the date. And I wrote this to God. My stomach hurts. I want to escape. I hate this. I doubt my ability to lead. I doubt my ability to care. God, help me. It's dry bones, man. It's dry bones. Spiritually dead. What was kind of amazing for me this last week is as I was rereading through this old journal and as I read through those entries of me just sort of puking my guts out to God and just saying, hey, you feel far. I know you're supposed to be near, but you feel far. I know I'm supposed to be walking with you, but I don't sense it. I don't see it. As I'm reading through these, there's this subtle shift. There's a shift in my language where these promises start to be true for me and these new life starts to emerge again. And so uh, here's an excerpt, excerpt from my journal from the last chapter of Ezekiel. This is what I wrote as I'm finishing the book. I said, God, I praise you for your faithfulness. You continue to prune me through this process. I know you're not done with me yet. Please form me and mold me until I am able to be used by you. May I remember that you, my Lord, are always there. Listen, I'm not a spiritual superhero. I'm just saying, in times of spiritual dryness, hear the word of the Lord, however you can. Speak the word of the Lord to yourself again and again. If you're a newer Christian, by the way, and I know we have a few here, and you haven't hit that moment of spiritual dryness, just know it's going to happen. And when it does, hear the word of the Lord. Do whatever you can to get God's promises into your life and into your heart. And as you do that, verse 5 says that the Lord God, these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter into you. The, The Hebrew word for breath is ruach. It's a fun one. And it also means spirit. And so God says, hear my word and receive my spirit. Receive new life in you. Hear God's word, receive his spirit, and live. Now some of you may say, all right, well that didn't really apply to me. My spiritual life is like on point right now, Gabe. Good for you. Uh, You know, things are great with God and I, but, but my relationships are a mess. My relationships are a mess. They're dry, they're dead. Is there any hope for life there? Well, look with me at verses 11 through 12. God explains to Ezekiel uh, what it means that he's raised these bones to life. Verse 11. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel. All right, so, so God explains this vision that he's given to Ezekiel, and he says, hey, these bones are representing the whole nation of Israel. The words he uses are the whole house of Israel. And he says, just like I raise these bones to new life, I'm going to raise up the kingdom of Israel to new life. They're going to be united together again. They're going to be in one country together again. Now just look with me at verse 11, though. He says, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Realize how key that is, how critical that is. Because at this stage, when God's speaking these words to Ezekiel, Israel's been split in two for over 350 years, right? Over 350 years. The north hates the south. The south hates the north. But God says, this is for the whole house of Israel. Now, listen, I'm, I'm from Michigan, and so, so I feel like I understand a little bit of that north-south rivalry. Um, well, for two reasons. One, when I first moved here, everyone kept calling me a Yankee, but two, um, which i wear with pride. Um, and then, uh, but two, Michigan has two parts to it. I don't know if you know this. Uh, there's the Upper Peninsula and the Lower Peninsula. And those of us who live in the Lower Peninsula, the real part, the mitten, uh, we, we call those crazies up north youpers, uh, right? And, and they call those of us who live down south below the Mackinac Bridge trolls, right? Like Billy Goats Gruff, right? And, and so there's, there's this, this friendly rivalry there. Now, take away the word friendly, just leave the word rivalry, multiply it by like a million And that's what you got going on in Israel at this time. It's generations of people in the north hating people in the south. It's generations of people in the south hating people in the north. But God says to Ezekiel, I'm bringing all my people back together. North and south, 350 years of dead relationships is nothing compared to my ability to restore. Generations of hate is nothing compared to my ability to restore. Now listen, if God can breathe new life into a divided nation, what can you do with your relationships? What can you do with your relationships? If your marriage is is tattered and beat up right now, have you taken that to God? If you feel your kids pushing away from you, walking away from you, have you asked God for healing in the midst of that? If you've got friends that, that seem far off that have maybe hurt you, Have you asked God to work towards reconciliation in those relationships? You see, this text shows us that God is in the business of bringing life out of dead relationships. And so ask him to do that in yours. Ask him to do that in yours. All right, finally, some of you may say, hey, spiritually, I'm killing it. Relationally, everybody loves me. But you say, I got this person in my life who they just seem so far from God, and I want them to know God, but that they just seem so far away. Is there there any hope for them? Is there any hope of life springing from them? Look with me at verses 13 through 14. And you shall know that I am the Lord. When I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people, and I'll put my spirit within you and you shall live. And I will place you in your own land then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken and I will do it, declares the Lord. All right, so, so here God says, not only am I going to raise Israel to life figuratively and unite them together as a nation, but he says, there's a day in which I will actually raise you to new life by the power of my spirit. And so if you look at verse 14, there's, there's kind of two parts to it. He says, I will put my spirit within you and you shall live. That's part one. And then part two, and I will place you in your own land. What's God talking about? He's promising that He'll send His Spirit to to bring His people to life, and that one day, even those that have died will be brought to life and live in a new land that is their own. What's He talking about? He's talking about now. He's talking about now. He's talking about how we, as Christians, are those whom God has raised to new life by the power of His Spirit. And now we have the hope of rising from the dead and living eternally with him in the new heavens and the new earth. And see, here's why that matters if you've got people in your life who are far from God. Here's why that matters. Because what this text says is that at one point, we all were. You were. But what God says here and what the first Christians realized is that after Jesus ascended into heaven and his spirit came down on him is that he's raising us to new life in him. See, when it comes to standing before God, we're all dead spiritually, right? We bring nothing to the table. It doesn't matter if you're a good person or a bad person, if you're moral, if you're immoral, whatever it is, it doesn't matter, you're bringing nothing to the table. We're all spiritually dead before God. But the first Christians, they realized, hey, something different is happening. Jesus has come, he's gone to the cross, he's sent his spirit down on us, and something different is going on. Listen to Ephesians 2. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Look at this text. It says you were dead in your trespasses. Dead. It means you didn't figure God out and then accept him. It means you you didn't make yourself good enough and God said, all right, we'll take you in now. Dead people can't do that. It says, no, 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 you were a corpse. And the Spirit of God entered into your life and called you into relationship with the God of the universe. Because he's rich in mercy. Because of his great love for you, God sent his only son, Jesus, to go to the cross for you. To rise again for you, to send his Spirit into your life. It's by his grace that you're saved. It's only by grace that you're raised to new life. And so here's what that tells us. Here's why that matters. No matter how far off someone seems from God, no one is beyond his grace. No one. No matter how dead spiritually someone seems to be, there is no one too far gone that God can't save. Hear that, church. There's no one beyond his grasp. There's no one beyond the grace of Jesus. No one. Not a single person. So I don't know what that looks like in your life. Uh, but, but for me, let me tell you what that's looking like most recently. Uh, so I met this guy at Redhorn Coffee the other day. And, uh, and he asked me what I did for a living. And I've told you all before, when people ask me that, it goes one of two ways, right? I say I'm a pastor. And either the walls go up and it's like, I will go do anything else right now. Um, or, or the walls come down in really weird ways. Uh, and so, so this time it was, it was, it was the latter, the walls came down. Uh, and it was exceptionally weird. Um, so, so I said, oh, I'm a pastor. He goes, oh, cool. He says, I, I'm not a Christian. I said, but I'm really into religion. And I said, oh, cool. I said, so what's, what's your deal? What, what do you believe? And he goes, oh, I'm a Satanist. I was like, wow, right? Now, friends, listen, like, no one is beyond God's grace in Jesus. I believe that 110%. But I will be honest. I had no idea how to respond to this guy. Like, I was just like, well, sure you are. And so... Uh, Anyways, fortunately, he had, he had he like told me this, and he's like, oh, got to go. And so, so he had to leave. And so I was like, oh, all right, I guess that's the end of that. But then a few days later, I was, I was back there officing, and I, I saw him again. And he and I started talking again, and we were talking about music. And uh, he listens to as much punk rock as I do. And so we were, we were talking about bands, and we were just talking about all this stuff. And as this conversation was going, I just told him, I said, hey, actually, it's, it's kind of funny. One of my dreams, and this is true, is, is to write a book called The Gospel According to Punk Rock. And I said, but you know, I don't really think there's a market for that. And so, so I said, I don't think that's, I'm ever going to do it. And he goes, dude, forget that. Except he didn't say forget. He said a different word, but this is church. And uh, he, said, um, he said, forget that. He goes, I'd read it. He goes, sounds awesome. He said, that's the coolest flippant, wasn't flippant, that's the coolest flippant thing I ever heard. Now listen, There's been no miraculous coming to faith yet, right, with my Satanist friend, Um, but he's been on my heart since then, and it's been so cool to see God just spring forth these little sprigs of life from someone that I can't imagine being further from him right now. But see, that's what God does, is he brings life from death. That we were all dead spiritually. You were dead spiritually, but he's raised you to life in Christ. And so that means no one is beyond God's grace. So that as you pray for that person in your life, as you speak the gospel to them, as you love them, know that no one is beyond God's grace in Jesus. It's how you came to life in Christ. It's how he grabbed hold of you. So my prayer for you this week is that if you're dry spiritually, that you'd experience new life in the living God And that if your relationships need mending, that you'd see God raise those to new life. And as you engage with friends and family who are maybe far off from God at this time, that you would see him bring forth new life in them. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. God, I pray for my friends who are spiritually dry right now that they will hear your word, that they'd preach it to themselves, that they'd, they'd hear it in the morning, they'd hear it from their friends, Lord, that they'd be reminded that you are present, that you are with them, that you are guiding their steps, Lord. May they just get a taste of your presence. And Lord Jesus, I also lift up those who are, are in tough relational spots right now. I pray that you'd give wisdom and guidance that restoration might happen. And Lord, finally, we pray for our friends that are far off, those that don't know you. May they come to faith in you, Jesus. May they know of your love. May you awaken them to life in you. We we'll pray all this in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. Feel free to share this message with others and stay connected with us at axchurchleander.com.